Suzanne. Um, and uh, today's uh, scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 12. Um, we're actually going to read the whole chapter here. It's a little bit long. But um, follow along if you have your Bibles or your Bible app. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And here we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. One body with many members. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For if, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or the Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but, ma but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, what would not that would not make it less any less a part of the body. And if the ears should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the Bible, on the contrary, the part of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body we think less honorably honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. 
Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that for the amazing weather outside. God, we bless you today. God, we bless this offering as it has been taken, Lord. May it uh, truly uh, do good work in this church and in the kingdom of God. Um, and we pray for today's service. We pray for today that this sermon may go out and truly be your words and you establishing this church and and the direction and the identity of this church, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Harry, what's up, man? How are you doing? Close my eyes, I open, and then Harry appeared. He's like an angel. Um, today, I have some announcements. We have Sunday Fun Day. Sunday Fun Day is on the first Sunday of each month. Um, and we usually maybe gather at our house or we gather here at church. But we, it's the whole purpose isn't to, like, you know, you know do, do anything serious. It's just to have fun and eat and play games and hang out. And so... Today is going to be at our house. I made some pulled pork um, and some coleslaw and some and buns and some rice. And so come out, out eat, eat with us at our, ha- at our place and just uh, have a good time. Um, we can, we'll all um, fellowship together. And, uh, and everybody's invited, even if it's your first Sunday. Um, and also next week we'll have small groups. Small groups happen on the second and fourth Sunday of each month. And it's just a time after the service we gather in smaller groups. And we just uh, go through the word, we talk about the sermon, we study the Bible, um, we have discipleship and fellowship. And so um, if you haven't signed up for that, please sign up in the back and join us for a small group next Sunday. Um, and then we have a retreat coming up November 22nd through the 24th. Um, this is going to be actually a, a pretty big deal for our church. Uh, just take note, on that Sunday we will not have service most likely here. We'll have it at the retreat center up in Seoul. Um, but uh, I think I'm allowed to uh, talk about the guest speaker. The guest speaker is Alan Hood. I don't know if you know who Alan Hood is, but he was, you know, you guys, you guys have heard of IHOP, right? IHOP, International House of Prayer. What? Pancakes? Yeah. I used to, when I work at the bank in America, I ate IHOP at least four times a week, and I got fat. Anyways, um, IHOP is a prayer, you know, you get fat in prayer when you go to IHOP. It's a, it's a prayer house in Kansas City. It's very big. And you guys know Mike Bickle, um, he's the, the, the main guy of um, IHOP. But Alan Hood was like, Alan was uh, Mike Bickle's like right-hand man, he was the second man. Um, he was the president of IHOP Youth. And a few years ago, I would say about three, four years ago, he came to our church and he ministered to our leadership. And it was a very powerful time. And he's coming back again. And so he's, uh, he's going to be a part of this retreat. He's going to be the main speaker, um, probably the only speaker. It's going to be from November 22nd through the 24th. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But the prices can be found online. But uh, for a single adult, it's $135, um, which is, you know, fairly, you know, affordable for a three-day conference with a speaker like that. And then uh, married couples are 280 We can try to have some kind of discount for you guys, all of you guys, because you guys actually are um, um, taking uh, t- transportation. But we'll, we'll think about it. We'll talk about it. We don't know if it's going to be there. But, uh, and then children, three and up, is $30 per child. Um, and each room consists of four single beds with bedding. So you guys don't have to sleep on the floor. You guys can sleep on beds. Um, it's actually a place to insole. So, you know, when you get to Seoul, before we used to have it at Welly Heli, but we would have to get to Seoul and then do another hour and a half travel down to Welly Heli. But now it's insole, so you just have to get off the subway and get off the train station or the airport and just go straight to, to the retreat center. Um, it's going to be a powerful time, and so let's look forward to that. Um, it's going to be coming November 22nd to 24th. Sign-ups, registrations are, you can just go on newphilly.cc or uh, newphilladelphiachurch.com. You can type newphilly.cc, it's, it's linked together. 
Um, and then you can go to the retreat tab and sign up for the retreat. Okay, so then that's all the announcements today. How are you guys doing? I'm glad many of you guys showed up, even though the weather is so nice outside. I went outside, and I was like, man, I just want to stay outside. You know, it's so pretty. Um, the air seems clean because of the hurricane that came through. This is the most, most hurricane we've ever had in Busan ever. I've been here for eight years now. And I had, like in the past, we'd have maybe one really big hurricane, uh, maybe two. But then we've had like four or five this season. It just seems like there's constantly just like hurricanes coming through. Maybe it has to do with climate change. Maybe it has to do with global warming. Um, let's pray that there will be less hurricanes, right, because it's kind of scary. Um, but, you know, we've been preaching, and I've been preaching, and me and I preached last week. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, right, how uh, important the Holy Spirit is in our lives and who the Holy Spirit is. And last week, uh, Mina preached on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, many times it says, it talks about in the book of Acts, it says the Holy Spirit came upon them. That word upon um, is, is, in the Greek, is, is different from them receiving the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit, like one time when we're saved, but then the Holy Spirit continues to come upon us. He fills us with his Spirit, and there's moments where, you know, where, where we will experience his baptism of the Holy Spirit or this filling of the Holy Spirit, and we'll really in char- like radicalize, and not radicalize, but like uh, revitalize our lives uh, in the Spirit and, and our relationship with God. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And he's not talking to, like, non-Christians. He's not talking to people that are non- not saved. He's talking to believers in the church of Ephesus. He's saying, hey, you know, you, you, you know Jesus, you have Holy Spirit in you, right? Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know? And this is many fillings. This isn't just something that happens one time, but continually we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and he dwells in us, you know, and he, 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 he fills us up. The baptism or being filled with the Holy Spirit is different from the, uh, the, the uh, indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling ministry is when the Holy Spirit comes in us and he starts to bear fruit in our lives as we obey his word, as we obey the word of God. Things start to grow in our life. We start to change and we start to be sanctified. Um, that is the indwelling ministry. That's one of the ministries that the Holy Spirit has sanctify us and change us day by day in those moments of obedience, in those moments of following him, in the moments of following God's word, he starts to change our lives. But then there's the baptism or the, in, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is more, um, it, it's, it's not automatic. It's, it's connected to our hunger. It's connected to our zeal for the Holy Spirit and to God and, and our affections for God. And it's marked by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit comes upon us people, you know, like whatever, or, or, you know, for me, I just cry. I've, I've, there's many pictures that Ine will, will post on Facebook and whatever of me just being ugly crying. And, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and when I'm filled with the Spirit, I, I ugly cry. And I, I've cried many times preaching. And for a good season of my life, I think uh, for, the, for like, the, like three years, I cried almost every sermon. Um, that, that stopped, right? I think that happened because I had a baby for the first time and I was just like really emotional. And like I felt the father's love, you know, I was like, oh, I love this kid so much, and like, this God loves me so, and I just I would cry and weep. But um, and like yeah, that's like it's a it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power. Now today, you know, we we've been talking about this, and this is just a, it's an ongoing sermon series that we we're kind of be doing. But today, I want to talk about something that's a little bit controversial uh, in the evangelical world, 
And it's the topic of get the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I read about it earlier in the scripture reading. Now, I don't know about your church backgrounds, but some of you guys, I, I, can, I think it's safe to assume that, that, that some of you guys, or a good chunk of you guys, came from like a more charismatic background. Where the gifts of the Spirit, they encourage, where, um, you know, like, you know, they, they lean more on, like, you know, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and you know, the experiential aspects of it. You know, our church used to be a very charismatic church, and we still lean towards that, that, that direction to a certain degree. You know, we, we, we are not like, you know, we, I, I would consider ourselves more charismatic than the average church. But I also understand that there are some of you guys that come from very conservative backgrounds, right? Some of you guys may come from very conservative churches, and, and you may be from a church where the mention of the gifts of the spirits is considered taboo. Right? It's actually considered like, ooh, you know, and, and actually it might be seen in a negative way. Because most likely you, you came from a church that leaned more towards the cessationist side of things, right? At the heart of this argument or at the heart of this, like, controversy with this, like, this disagreement is, uh, are the, dis- the cessationists and the continuationists, right? I have to, I, it's hard. It's, it's, these words are, are, are long and it's tongue-tying, but it's called continuationists, right? Cessationists believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stop, right? Now, there's has roots in the thought of dispensationalism. Dispensationalism is this, uh, this, thought, like this understanding that God does things in dispensations, right? Big chunks of time, right? So in, in the, there's creation, and then there's like the whole thing of before the flood, and then there's the time after the flood, and there's like the part of Jesus, and then, you know, and, and, and you know, there's a, there's, he, he, dispensationalists believe that God will do things a certain way in certain dispensations, right? A certain time period. And so it, it, this cessationist understanding comes is rooted in uh, dispensationalism, and uh, and cessationists believe that there was an apostolic age where there was this time where after Jesus ascended into heaven and the apostles that Jesus chose and appointed they would go out and they established the church, they spread the gospel to like as far as that they could, and then they all died, right? And as they died, and then the Bible was canonized, right? Um, when when the Bible was finally canonized and became um, our scripture, right, uh, that the gifts of the Spirit stopped and, and they no longer are for us today. Um, it's not for us living on this side of history. Now, this is a quote from Tom Pennington. I don't know if you guys know Tom Pennington, but he's a very he's a very respected pastor and he's a known cessationist. He speaks he he speaks about the their their belief system in this way. He says. We mean that the Spirit no longer sovereignly gives the individual believers the miraculous spiritual gifts that are listed in Scripture and that were present in the first century church. It is neither the Spirit's plan nor His normal pattern to distribute miraculous spiritual gifts to Christians and churches today as He did in the times of the apostles. Those gifts ceased as normative with the apostles. Now we have to take something, and we have to take note of something here. Cessationists do believe in miracles. It's not the fact that they don't believe in miracles. They believe that God did miracles back then. God did miracles, you know, like, you know, in the church, and God still does miracles now. They believe that God does miraculous things and, and, you know, these signs and wonders, but they're saying that it's the exception. These are not normal things. These are, they are not uh, normative, and it's not something that we as a church, as a church should pursue because they have ceased to be normal in this side of history, right? After the canonization of the Bible, after we got this book, right? This is the inherent, like, 
ultimate word of God, right? And we know that this is the inerrant word of God. This is the, the true living word of God. After we got this, uh, the gifts stopped. We no longer had a need for the gifts. And so it stopped. And then, um, you know, like we're supposed to just go to the Bible to find the revelations and our truth. Now, continuationists believe that the gifts didn't stop, but that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for us today and, as a, and is an integral part of the church advancing the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, until Jesus Christ returns. Okay? Now, as a church, right, as a church, our church, uh, we are continuationists. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for us today and that they should be earnestly sought uh, out by the church and by individual believers. But I want to make a, take a moment and say something very important here because our church was not this way in the past, right? Just because we are a continuationist church doesn't mean that we look down on or we demonize churches that are cessationists. Right? Right? It's all good. Like, there's different ways to interpret things. There's different ways to understand things. And, and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to look to cessationist churches. This is the hard part. Cessationist churches and, like, say, oh, they're bad. Or, like, oh, you know, because we all believe the same gospel. We all, at the center of cessationism and at the center of, like, continuationism, um, it, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, right? And if we put our faith in him, we, you know, we get to live in, 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 in the eternal life that he has for us. And, and we follow his word of God and we live our lives according to um, what, what Christ has done for us, right? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, cessationists believe that. So it's not like, you know, they're, you know, like pagans and they're like, you know, heathens that can't be trusted. They just understand things a little bit differently. Right? No church is perfect. Right? There's no perfect church because it's made up of human beings who are imperfect by nature. And, I, and our understanding of God and the universe is, is limited. And so no church can claim 100 about theology. You know, like it just doesn't exist. And this is the way that God wants the church to be. Right? Always, although we may disagree, it doesn't mean that we... we he doesn't give us a right to divide and bring dissension. Right? Jesus wants us to be one. In, in John 17, he talks about, like, like, help them to be one as you and I are, and as we are one. Right? God wants unity in the church. Um, and, and I believe that cessationist Christians and continuationist Christians will all agree eventually when we see each other in heaven. And then we ask Jesus, who was right? I, I don't know. I, but I believe that we're all going to heaven, right? It's like, like if you're a true born-again believer, it doesn't... You know, like, you might not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but, you know, you might have, like, you know, you might have a disciplined life that, that like, you know, like, your life might be so way disciplined than mine, and you might be walking a path of righteousness and holiness that, like, you know, a lot, some of us, we, we can't even, you know, even really, you know, understand, right? So we can't judge people based on their, on these kind of things. Now, if it comes down to doctrine, if it comes down to, like, okay, there's a fourth member of the Trinity, and she, you know, she's from, she's from Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, you know, she's 38 years old. You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, of course. Like we're, we're supposed to like, you know, those are the, the false prophets. Those are the false teachers. Those are the things that we really need to like, you know, stay clear away from. But when it comes to these little things like baptism, like whether you sprinkle, whether you immerse, right, it really doesn't make a difference. Like at the heart of the thing, like I believe I, we're baptized, right? Whether you were sprinkled or whether you were submerged, you're still baptized, right, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit and in, in, in the name of Jesus Christ, right? And so... I just want to say that we don't like, we don't look, there's amazing theological, like, you know, like writings and, and you know, amazing things that cessationist church do. 
And I believe that there's many people that have come to know Jesus Christ and were saved by churches that were cessationists. Um, but, you know, we just, as a church for ourselves, and the way that our history comes from is that we tend to be continuationists, and we believe that the gifts are for us today. We interpret things differently, and although it does create disagreements, it should never create dissension or division. And so that's something I want to say about church, because a lot of people in the past, people in our church, you see, like, I think, like, there's a pastor that said that dispensationalism comes from the devil, right? And we're like, what? <laughs> how, can, how can you say that, right? Like, like I believe that people truly love God, and they, they come up with these truths, and, and, you know, they may be, like, faulty here and there, but at the heart of it, you just have to look at the heart and see what the heart is saying. And we're able to agree, and we're able to be one together as a church. Now, we also have to make clear why we believe the gifts for us today. As continuationists, as a non-cessationist church, what is the reason why we believe that the gifts are for us today? Like, if you guys give, believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, well, what's the reason? What, what reason do you use to back things up you know, if you have to talk to a cessationist? Um, and it's, it's the fact that the Bible clearly doesn't explicitly or inexplicitly say that the gifts have, have ceased. Like, nowhere in the Bible. If you can find it, let me know, and, and you know, like, like I'll read it and I'll meditate on it. But cessationist looks to 1 Corinthians 13 where it talks about love. It says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. It talks about prophecies and tongues stopping when the perfect one comes. And they see the canonization of the Bible as the coming of the perfect. Now, to me, this is a very bad interpretation of Scripture. Um, it, it says knowledge will pass away. Well, you know, knowledge will not pass away. Right? I don't see knowledge passing away anytime soon. Later in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Now we see dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Right? I don't see us seeing God face to face. As a matter of fact, I see, I see the apostles being able to see and envision Jesus Christ even that much better than we can on this side of history. Right? Like, I don't feel like I see or understand God face to face, right? We definitely see him more dimly than maybe the apostles saw him, right, who actually saw them with their eyes. So when we interpret this with right hermeneutics, which is like, you know, the study of interpreting, interpreting the word of God, we see that the perfect one is Christ. Right? When Christ returns, prophecy and tongues will, and knowledge will pass away because we will, we will be with Jesus. He's the perfect one, and we don't have to try to guess. We will know fully. Right? We're going to fully know. Right? We can just ask him, what, what's up? Right? Can, can you answer some of these questions for me? But I don't see scripture in anywhere in scripture anything about the gifts of the Spirit stopping. However, what I do read in multiple places in scripture is about eagerly and earnestly seeking the spiritual gifts. And we read it earlier today, uh, verse 31, Now earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And I talked about a few sermons ago, but this is a very important aspect of our relationship and our intimacy with the Holy Spirit, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. Right? 1 Corinthians 12, I read it earlier, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul tells that he doesn't want the Corinthians, and he also is talking to the church in general, that they don't, he doesn't want us to be uninformed, that 
we not be ignorant or uninformed about the spiritual gifts. Meaning it's very possible for a Christian to be a Christian and still not be aware of and be ignorant to the spiritual gifts that they have. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So Holy Spirit gives the church and believers these gifts, right? And it's possible for us to be ignorant of these gifts. These things can be ignored. They can remain dormant in our lives. And, and we can have no idea that we even have them. Imagine if you're a soldier going out to anybody from the military here. Imagine if you're a soldier. Me too. Korean, Korean Army, right? I did it for one month. You know, right? um, you know, like, you know, if you're a soldier, you're out there, and you're on the front lines, and you have all your men, and you're, you're fighting the enemy, and what you're doing is you're picking up rocks and you're chucking it at them. Right? You pick up rocks and you chuck it at them. All, in the, all along in your backpack, you have guns, you have grenades, you have bullets, you have a knife, you have all these things to help you to do war and raise war against the enemy, what you're doing is you're picking up rocks and you're throwing them at them. Right? That's kind of like what it is for us to not understand the fullness of the gifting, gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives us. And for many question, Christians and the church in general, we haven't fully realized the spiritual gifts that God has given to us for us to do what he has called us to do. We remain ignorant and uninformed to what we have available in our arsenal. And so today, I want to talk to you guys about three things regarding spiritual gifts that um, I feel like is very important. The first point is, number one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start putting slides up there again, but number one is we have to earnestly desire and seek the spiritual gifts. This is in the Bible. It's literally word for word what Paul says, to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Two things I want to draw from this. First, it's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to, you don't work up to it. You don't you don't earn it. You know you don't you know you don't have to you know give a certain amount of money to get it. You know there's a there's a guy in the Bible that tried to do it right. It's like like the, the, the what's his name? Um, God, what his name is? This is sorcerer Simon the sorcerer. He's like give me I'll give you money right. I'll give you money if if, if you give me this power right. I have you know because he, he was collecting all these abilities, but you know you don't have to earn it. It comes if you are born again believer and you have Holy Spirit in you, you have spiritual gifts. All these. It says, all, verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Right? So we all have spiritual gifts. Some have more than one. Some may just have one. Some may have multiple ones. Some may have like four or five or even ten. But if you have Holy Spirit in you, you have been gifted a spiritual gift. Now, a spiritual gift is different than spiritual fruit. Right? The fruits of the spirit Right? It's very different than the, the gifts of the Spirit. The fruits of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is stuff that we all need to be growing in, right? And, it, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. Meaning, like, I can't be, like, really good at patience, but I suck at love, right? Like, God's not going to give us, like, all this, like, love, joy, and peace, and we have no self-control, right? But as, like, we may, we may grow in certain areas at diff- different paces, right? I need to grow a lot more in patience, right, and, and, and a lot more in self-control. But it's, it's not like I have no self-control or I have no patience, right? These are gifts that are growing in us. These, these are fruit that is growing in us as the Holy Spirit uh, enables us and empowers us and, 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 st- and does what he does in us. The, the indwelling ministry, the fruit of the Spirit will grow in us. Right? 
And so when we grow and when we get to a place, you know, we will have these things, love and joy and peace and, and gentleness and kindness in us. You know? And th this is the way that we're supposed to live and, and follow these. It, it comes down to character. God shapes our character, and, and, and it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Now, a gift of the Spirit is different in that we don't have them all. You know, we may just have a few or we may have a little bit more, but it's individual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us that are utilized for the building up of the body of Christ and bringing God's will upon the earth. And a spiritual gift is not a talent. You know, some of you guys are very talented in a certain way, right? Like Jacques is Jack, right? He's big, you know, he's talented in sports, right? Tiffany is talented in music. Like she sings like a nightingale. It's like, and he plays the, plays the uh, piano and does, like, these are talents that we have, right? But a talent, your talent is not a spiritual uh, gift. However, God will use our talents and match them up with our spiritual gifts to make us even that much more powerful and effective in ministry. Right? Example, you might be gifted at business. You might have a talent for business, and God might give you the gift of faith so that you can have supernatural faith that can that that can have uh, that you can have for the things of God and for God to work a certain way that's going to help you and advance you in the business world for the kingdom of God. Right? A good example of this, I believe, is Herman and Grace. Right? Herman and Grace used to be uh, Herman used to be our worship pastor here, and Grace um, was was his wife, and they moved moved on to Silicon Valley and were living out there. But I believe that not so much Herman, right? But I believe Grace has the gift of, of faith, right? Because she would talk to me about certain things. Right, about and, and she has a she has a gift of business as well, right? And she would talk to me about certain things, and I'd be like, "Wow, you have a faith that is, like, like way bigger than mine. Like you're able to have faith in certain things that God will do certain things. Like, like if that was me, I would just go out and buy it, right? But then she would she would have faith that it, to do like in in areas of her life that was was really just like amazing, right? And even them moving out to to San Francisco, you know, Herman and Grace, you know, they have faith together, but that they went out in faith. One of the hardest places to, to put down roots, right? If you didn't put down roots in Silicon Valley, Valley right after college, it's almost impossible to put down roots in Silicon Valley. It's so expensive, hard to get a job. Right? Everybody wanted, wants a job in Silicon Valley. They got a job. She's just getting paid mad money, right? And she's, she's a businesswoman, right? Herman's like Herman is doing ministry, and then she's just this businesswoman, right? And, and she's advancing the kingdom. She's 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 a she's a witness for the kingdom of God in her workplace, right? Some of you might may be gifted in public speaking, and God will give you the gift of teaching or the gift of preaching, right? in a way so that you can, you know, advance God's kingdom. Um, some like musically talented might give you the gift of encouragement. Right? But these are gifts that God gives us, right, so that we can actually ex ex like advance the kingdom of God and make a lot about Jesus. Right? Jesus, we exalt Jesus through the gifts and through the way that we live our life. But whatever the gift that God give, has given you it is, here's the part I want to stress. You have to earnestly seek them. It's, it's a gift, but it's not nicely packaged and sent to us by coupon boxes. Ta-da! You know, like these very nice boxes, easy to open, you know. And, but the spiritual gifts are in us, and God wants us to seek it out with the desires of our heart. I love it how the Bible tells us that we have spiritual gifts but it doesn't really tell us how to access them. It just tells us to desire them. And I believe that many times God is like that with us because he starts with our desires. 
To be really, to really desire something of God means that we will go out of our way to seek it out and lay hold of it. That God uses our desires. It's not about not sinning, but desiring more God more than the sin. That's that's the heart of like the gospel. It's, it's not about like me trying to like like follow the law. I'm not gonna sin. I'm you know I'm the letter of the law. No, it's not about that at all. Jesus Christ came that that we can know God and love God so much that we don't want to sin again. That's, it, it comes, he uses our desires. You know, it's not about reading the Bible, but desiring to know God and his wisdom even that much more. He uses our desire. And with spiritual gift, God wants us to desire them. He gives it to us, but that what helps activate it is desire and faith. Knowing in faith that, we, that God has gifted me and then walking out in faith and with his desire to see those giftings be activated in our lives. Have faith that God has gifted you and seek to find out what it is and how he wants to use you with it. God wants to use you with the power of the giftings that he's given you. But for many of us, and it includes me as well, we know the spiritual gifts are real, but we don't bother to earnestly seek it. We just wait with an expectation it's supposed to just fall on our lap. It can't because it's already in you. It can't fall on your lap because it's in you. And you just have to access it. Now, how do we access our gifts of the Holy Spirit? And it's very, it's not, it's not like rocket science here, right? Well, who gives us the gifts, right? Who gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, right? So it should have something to do with being really close with the Holy Spirit, right? Like wanting a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is not, there is no life hack to this. There is no, like, way to get past this stage of, like, being really intimate with God. You have to be intimate with God. You have to, like, love God. You have to seek God and, and be hungry for his presence, right? Wanting to please him and to obey him, right? It starts from there, to understand your spiritual gifts, to, to, to a- have access to your spiritual gifts. It starts with you understanding and loving God. But what else does it involve? Well, it involves asking. Luke 11.3, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You, you, You ask him. You inquire of him what your gifts are. And you ask him to empower you in the gifts. And, and you know, we don't have, we don't know them. We don't, a lot of times because we don't ask. You know, Mina's really good at this. Uh, there's actually somebody that's even better at this. His name is Danny Suck. He used to come to our church, right, up in Seoul. And the dude can, like, he's, like, amazing at, like, buying things deep cheap, dirt cheap, right? So I went to his house, and he had this, like, really nice sound bar on the bottom of his TV, right? It's, like, like $700, $800, right? And I was like, how'd you get that? And he was like, $50. And I was like, what the heck? How'd you get that for $50? And he's like, he went to the store, and then he asked them, like, all these questions. He's like, hey. Like, you know, like, how much is that? And he's like, oh, it's $700. He's like, oh, okay. Like, do you have anything cheaper? And he's like, oh, you have something cheaper? It's like $300, but it's not very poor quality. And then he's like, oh, do you have one that's maybe used? And he's like, oh, no, there's nothing that's used. And then he started asking these questions, and he's like, he started this conversation with them, and all of a sudden, after, he's a very likable guy, by the way, right? Danny's super nice. He's like, he's just like, you know, he's, he's very charming. And so then after about like a 10 minutes, 15 minutes of talking to him, he's like, hey, I have like a demo model in the back that's been used. I wouldn't use it anymore. I'll sell that to you for 50 bucks. And I was like, I, when I heard that, I was like, what the? And it all started from just asking 
questions, right? Mina is very good at that. Really. She, if I say, oh, that's not going to work, she always says, well, did you ask, right? Did you ask? And I'll be like, no. Uh, okay. And, she, and she'll go and ask. Like maybe like we, we want to refill on our soda. This happens so many times, and I'm like, oh, no, don't do refills here. Well, well, let me go ask. And she comes back with a full soda, right? And the, the, half the work is in asking. We ask God, God, what's my gift? God, what have you gifted me? I know you love me. I know you're for me. I know you're in me. Like, show me what my gifting is, right? And so it comes down to asking. I lost my place. Yeah, we have to ask. You know, like, a lot of the times we don't, we don't even know that, that it's there. And we just have to ask in the spirit. And I want to point something out about spiritual gifts is that they're irrevocable. They cannot be withdrawn. One of the translations says the gifts of God and, and the calling of God are, cannot be withdrawn. They are irrevocable. They can't be, they can't be taken away. Romans eleven twenty nine for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Meaning, even if you may have drifted far from the Lord, and you may be far from Him, and the gifts and the calling that He's given you is irrevocable. Now, I'm too bad for me to, to have these spiritual gifts, right? He took them away a long time ago. No, they're irrevocable. Right? He's gifted you. You just need to come back to Him, repent, and start seeking Him once again in the Spirit for you to ask, for you to have access to these gifts. A good example for me is the gift of tongues. When I was in high school. Like in between junior and senior year, that summer year, summer I went to this retreat and I got radically changed. Right? I went from going to church to check out girls, right, like we always did, to uh, to like you know going to prayer meetings at ten in the morning. Right? Church would start at one. We'd go at ten and we'd do prayer meetings. Four four kids in this little room, like you know praying and speaking in tongues. And I got the gift of tongues at this retreat, and and, and we were just on zealous for God. Right? I went to Biola because I wanted to be a missionary, right? Like I changed all these plans that I had, and then um. And then, uh, you know, like, we would go to, like, Vineyard Church at night. After we did a whole day of church at 7 p.m., we'd go to Vineyard Church and worship. And I talked about the story before. And then and I backslid hard, right? Like, I just, like, fell away from the Lord. You know, I went and did all these drugs and horrible life. You know, like, you know, if, you heard, if you know my testimony, you know, ask me. I'll let you know. And then I came to Korea, and then I came back to the Lord. And I was, I was you know, getting my, my legs, you know, of, of following God again and seeking after him. And then one, at this one, uh, but I hadn't spoken in tongues, like, like had tongues in like, like a decade, right? Like this was like out of high school, college, it was 1994, I know it was a long time ago. Some of you guys weren't born then. But then um, by the time I came to Korea, it was 2007, so it's been over 10 years since I've, I've, I've speaking tongues. And I was at this prayer meeting, and I was just praying. My heart for God was just like, like on fire. And then, and then like, I was like, God, like, you know, like, I, I surrender to you. I, 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 I submit my life, you know, into your hands, you know, and I, like, like I say, like, you know, my, your, may, your will be done in my life. And I had this, like, amazed baptism of the Holy Spirit. He came upon me. I started crying, and I had, all of a sudden, I started speaking in tongues, you know. I, in my mind, I'd forgotten that I even had it. Nobody was talking about tongues. We were just praying about a mission trip or something. And I remember at this point, I was just praying, and then just tongues came on me, like, talking, you know. And, and for all those years, I didn't use it. It doesn't mean that it went away. It's irrevocable. I still have it, but as I came back to God and as it was in line with His Spirit again, right, it was released from me. Right, brothers and sisters, the gifts of God are irrevocable; they can't be withdrawn. However, they can remain dormant. They're irrevocable, but they can remain dormant. They can be unused. They can be ignored. 
we can be ignorant of them in our lives. But the Bible says that we have to earnestly desire and pursue the gifts. Here in this small group of people, I believe, that are gathered here, there's gifts of the Holy Spirit that can supercharge this church, can encourage and empower the body of Christ, gifts that can bring healing, gifts that can build up and, 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 and expand this church, right? And encourage and exhort. And we, just, we just need to tap into it. We just have to allow Holy Spirit to, to bring a realization of these gifts in our lives. Moving on, we learned that the Holy Spirit in, in our, our previous sermon, that he's a person, and he's not an it or a thing. He's a person. He has a, he has a will. He has a personality. He has feelings, right? And he's, a, he's God. He's a third person of the Godhead. And he comes and he dwells in us. We talked about it, that the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, he dwells and he lives in us, right? And, and, and then we're supposed to have a personal relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a personal relationship. But now... Personal relationship with God, a lot of people will have it make a mistake from personal to private. They feel like they just have a private relationship with God. Like, oh, it's all about me and God. Right? It's like just me and God and what I experience in this, in this realm of just me and God is, is what it's all about. But no, it says that the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. Right? He establishes into the body of Christ. His greatest commandment for us is to love God and love one another. To, it, it, to love the people that God places around you in this community, in the body of Christ. So our relationship with God and our relationship with the Holy Spirit is very contingent in our relationship with one another. We have to, it, it's very important that our relationship with the body of Christ and in our in interaction with the body, and we see the importance of the body in Paul's writing here in Corinthians, right? Corinthians 12. In the midst of talking about the spiritual gifts, he goes on this tangent about the body, about the body of Jesus Christ. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. Right? Paul talks about the body we're, we're one body with many parts, with many people making up this one body, right? The eyes can't say, oh, you know, to the feet, like, oh, you're useless, right? You know, you can't see, right? He talks about how, like, you know, like the, the, the hand, the ear can't tell, you know, the eye, like, oh, I'm not a part of the body because, you know, I can't see. Uh, we're all many members that come together to make one body. The second point that I want to make regarding the body of Christ and regarding the, the spiritual gifts is that the gifts of the Spirit is for the body of Christ. So that we can make much about Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit isn't for just ourselves. Meaning the gifts are for and always should be for the building up of the church body of Christ. So that Jesus is exalted. You know, the church is all about exalting Jesus. Where the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit's gifts to us will help us in exalting Jesus. He doesn't give us the gifts just for ourselves. He doesn't give me the gift of prophecy so I can sit at home and just prophesy over myself. Oh, he's so great. So great you know? Jesus said that in John 7, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I like the translation that says out of his belly. Right? I have a big belly, right? His belly will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him 
were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Our Christian lives, these, the gifts of the Spirit, and this living water and Holy Spirit that you know, flows in us, isn't just for us. We're not supposed to just like sit in a pond with the Holy Spirit and have God and have all you know, this and so. It's supposed to be a river that flows out of us. As God gives into us, he, 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 it flows out of us and it touches and it affects and it impacts the people around us. Second Corinthians 4 talks about us being jars of clay, you know, er, earthen vessels. And we are able to contain God. And this is an amazing metaphor, right? It is amazing that we are feeble existence, right? Caleb Lee, right? This is, this is it right here, right? It, it ain't not much more than that. Right? It's able to contain God himself right, in us, right? That's pretty amazing. But then t- a lot of us, we take this metaphor a little too far, and we just love carrying just God around, you know, just us around in ourselves. You know, God, it's God in me. It's God in me. It's God in me. You know, nobody else. It's God in me. I don't need to go to church. It's God in me. You know? I know a lot of people like that, right? You know, I had this this lady uh, who has a dog in our building. She has a little Pomeranian. And I have, I've lived there for like five years now. And she's lived there. I have yet to see this woman walk her dog. But everywhere she goes, she carries her in this little pouch, right? Everywhere. I've never, I've never seen her once walk this dog, but just like carries her everywhere. Right? But then a lot of times we do that with God. You know, God, it's just about God in me and this experience. But use, Jesus uses the metaphor, metaphor of a river that out of us will flow torrents of living water. We're, we're a vessel, but we're also like a pipe. As God pours into us, we pour out and we, we affect the world around us. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit is supposed to be used in this way. The gifts, he doesn't give it to us just for ourselves. But he gives it for the body. So then if if, if I'm not operating in the gifts, if there's, uh, the body of Christ is not fully being able to be like experience the fullness of, of what I, what God can do in me for the body of Christ. You guys understand? If, if Amanda is not walking in her gifting, the, this body of Christ is not fully experiencing what God wants to do through Amanda to impact the body of Christ. You know, It's supposed to flow out of us. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is supposed to impact the people that are around us. If you have the gift of encouragement, to encourage that person that God points out to you that needs encouraging. If you have the gift of faith for you to hold fast to that crazy dream that he placed in your heart and bring it to fruition for you to impact the world for Christ. If you have the gift of healing for you to pray for people, to experience healing. And, and, you know, I've, I've seen people get saved from being healed. People will pray, I have bad knee, and they pray for their knee, and all of a sudden, oh, I feel a lot better. All of a sudden, they come to know the Lord. The gifts are realized and activated by our faith. As we step out in faith and we start doing the things that God calls us to do, we will realize the gifting that God has. And now the, I want to close with this. this is my third point is the gifts of the Holy Spirit helps us live in and experience the Holy Spirit in his fullness. This is what I meant about the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Who do you need for you to fully use your spiritual gifts? Who can you do it by yourself? Can I do can I can I do my can I work my giftings by myself? No. You need the Holy Spirit. You not just need the Holy Spirit, you need to be intimate 
You need to be close with the Holy Spirit. The gift works not because you're special, but because he has empowered you to do it. A lot of people fall away from the church and, and Jesus because they say that the church is boring. I know a lot of people that are just boring. The Christian life is boring. It's more fun at the club. Who thinks it's more fun at the club? There were times when I thought it was more fun at the club, right? But I believe that it's because church and Christians have given these people a life in Jesus Christ that's without power, without that dunamis power that we have available through the power of the Holy Spirit. As it flows in us and through us, when we are aware and we're walking in the fullness of what God wants to do within us. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. And it all comes down to faith. Imagine if you're if, if you you know you're walking in your giftings and, and and say you do have the gift of healing and you go out to Guangali Beach and there's this like guy who's limping and you pray for him and his limp goes away and he's like hallelujah like you know like we've we've had moments like this in our church through our mission trips we've gone out evangelizing and we pray for people there's stories of people that where where their legs would grow out a little bit as they pray for them. these are all it, 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 but it requires faith. You can't just, like, do it without faith. It requires faith. But it's a, it's a life it's a life in Christ that is filled with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, our, our, sometimes our lives, it feels dull. It feels mundane because we're not walking in the fullness of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us. He's exciting. He's, he's amazing. He's supernatural. And he wants the church to walk in the fullness of the power that he has for us. So that, that we can make much about Jesus Christ. We can exalt Jesus Christ. You know, to show the world a life that is different than the life that the world offers us. And there's a lot of counterfeits out there. You know, if you want to see a counterfeit, go to Nampadong and see all those like tents of people with all the fortune tellers. And all the people are waiting to tell the fortune tale. Those are counterfeits. But the counterfeit can never live up to the authentic, the supernatural life of a saint empowered by the Holy Spirit, walking in the spiritual gifts that he has given to us. As we seek to exalt and make a lot about Jesus Christ, exalt Jesus Christ with the body of Christ. Now, I want to end today by reading the many passages in the Bible that talk about many of the many spiritual gifts. I can't do a sermon, one sermon, and just talk about all the spiritual gifts. It would take forever, right? You know, like I would have to do like a sermon series on just the spiritual gifts. There's so many. Um, but really, you know, there's multiple passages in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. So I'm going to read them to you guys right now. So 1 Corinthians 12, 8, where to one is given the, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills verse 27 now you are the body of christ and in the individually members of it and god has appointed in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers then miracles it goes from people to like a miracle then gifts of healing helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Romans 12, 6 is 
another section where Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in prophecy. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Right? And there's other places in the Bible that talks about spiritual gifts, but these are just some of the spiritual gifts, I believe, that God, Holy Spirit, has in each and every one of you. Right? And I want you guys to go home this week and meditate on these passages. Right? 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 through 28. Romans 12, 6. Romans 12, verse 6 through 8. Right? These are some of the passages. And if you want to freak out and find some more, you can. I want you guys to go and meditate on these passages. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, right, ask. Right? Ask the Holy Spirit. Right? It, it, it starts from asking. And some of you guys may have an inkling of what your gift is, right? Well, then if you do, and if you kind of feel it, then walk out in faith. Right? Take steps out in faith. I know for some of you guys, this may sound a little scary, right? There's a lot of people, even a lot of pastors that are afraid. Like, they're a little bit like, like, you know, they get all a little bit like, you know, sensitive when it comes to talking about the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy and tongues, right? And prophecy and tongues will get like most conservative pastors like, oh no, right? But we should never be afraid of something that God gives us. It's from Him. And just because there have been abuses in the past, and yes, there has been many abuses in the past, and there's been abuse in the past in our church about, like, with prophecy and all that. It doesn't mean that we just get rid of it. We don't have the right to just get rid of it because, you know, some people were dumb about it. Some people, like, acted foolishly. But we should never, you know, there's, there's been bad teaching, right? You know, there's been horrible sermons that I've preached. It doesn't mean that we're just going to throw preaching out the door. Right? There's been bad teachers, and it doesn't mean that we just take teaching and we throw it out the door, right? Well, a lot of people, a lot of churches do that with prophecy and tongues, right? Just because there might have been a little bit of abuse in the past, we just want to throw it out the door. But we don't have that right. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God, right? And we have to look at the Word of God as a whole. But Paul tells us this in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. What does Paul tell us? He says, no, don't despise prophecies, but we are to test everything. That's why we, we don't have to be afraid because, you know, we have the Bible. God gave us this to test everything by. Somebody gives me a prophetic word, right? And, and then, and then I, I know what God is speaking to me through the word of God. Right? And then and he gives me a prophetic word and it doesn't line up. I don't have to receive it. Oh, yeah, thank you for giving me that word, right? Now, I know I, there's some foolish people that would go around and, like, you know, the, the prophecy is always to exhort it's always to uplift. It's always to encourage. And people will say, hey, you know what? You're sinning. I have a prophetic word for you. You need to stop sinning or else, you know, it's going to ruin your life. Right? Nobody wants to hear that, right? Holy Spirit doesn't speak like that, right? Holy Spirit will never come to me. And, and, right? There might be warnings that, like, somebody in prophetic received. And, and I think we're going to do a continue on with this next week or a week after and, and preach a little bit about tongues and prophecy. But. Like, like, no one, no one, like, Holy Spirit might actually give a thing of warning, but then you're supposed to, to exhort them and say, hey, you know, I love what you're doing. You know, I love what God is doing in your life. I love the way that you're, you're so excited about, you know, the way that, you know, you're, you're so on zeal for the Lord, you know. Like, you know, 
can, can you like maybe you, we can actually focus more on holiness for a season? You know, maybe you should like walk down a walk a path of holiness and and, and fasting and, and whatever it is. You know, this is a way that pr- prophetic people can release even words of you know like warning into people's lives. You know. But there has been abuses in our lives, you know, and we've seen it in churches. It doesn't mean that we just need to get rid of it, but we need to test everything according to the word of God. You know, the word of God comes first, right? So we have to test it. Someone gives you, I'm, I'm not going to just receive it. You know, I'm not going to just, I'm going to go to God and say, hey, God, what, how are you speaking to me in, in the Bible when I read the word of God? And then if it bears fruit in us, if that word that's given bears fruit, we can know that it's from God. Because if a prophetic word is released, or whatever is, is released, say like, you know, like I have the gift of encouragement and I encourage you, and if there's fruit in that encouragement, then I believe that it's from God. You know? Because God always bears fruit. I want New Philly Buzan. You know, we might be small, but I want us to be a church that's walking in the fullness of the gift that God has given to us. For us to be a church led by the Spirit of God, and for us to be a church that is empowered to, to, to exercise the gifts that God's given us. You know, some of you guys might have the gift of healing. Some of you guys in here might have the gift of like, you know, like prophecy. We don't we don't know until we are able to encourage one another and, and course there there can be there can be you know uh, crazy things but we don't have to be afraid right we have the word of god and we have the authority of scripture to back us up and so in the end i want to leave you with this paul says like be earnest about be earnest about seeking the spiritual especially that you prophesy this is this is he telling us this right it's not like don't just settle. You know, he's saying, especially, even that much more that you prophesy because it can actually really be a blessing to the body of Christ. And next week, I feel like either me or Mina will teach on prophecy and tongues. Hopefully, um, you guys you know, won't be too offended if you guys lean towards that cessationist side. But uh, I want us to be a church that's being led by the Holy Spirit, being empowered and walking in the fullness of what he has for us. Let's all stand up and let's close in prayer.